WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week. Happy birthday, brother! It's somebody's birthday. It's Matt's birthday. Uh, and to celebrate, we've assembled a reunion of your former co workers at Dewey's Comic City for a uh, Tales from the Comic Shop themed episode. So uh, please welcome back returning guest and current Dewey's manager, John Bush, and uh, first-time guest and former Dewey's employee, David Harris. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Isn't the term rogues gallery, though? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well. A, a, a coterie of, of ne'er-do-wells and malcontents, to be sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, John, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're still at Dewey's. How long have you yeah. uh, been there? When did you start? Oh God, um, I think August, May 14 years I've been there. Wow, I'm not sure if I've officially beat Matt for longest tenure Dewey's employee yet, but he had some non-consecutive runs in there. So I, he, True. he does some funny accounting with that. <laughs> yeah, I think if you factor out the year or so I didn't, we are now just about tied. Mm-hmm. So. so you got like, like a Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin hosting SNL uh, type back and forth. <laughs> uh, David, what, year, what years were you at uh, Dewey's? So I was there during my high school run. I think I was a high school sophomore when Matt was a college sophomore. So we stuck around till our respective graduations. But then actually I went to Princeton for college and he started working at the McCarter Theater literally across the street from my dorm. <laughs> so depending on how you track our time together, it's <laughs> three or seven or I don't know. <laughs> It, it worked nicely that I, you know, had someone who I could, you know, get lunch with who wasn't a coworker, which was lovely. Yes, and I wasn't doing my college work, so. <laughs> Not that I have anything against my coworkers at McCarter, but it was nice to be able to get away for a little bit. No, it's like the sea captain on The Simpsons. I just want a friend who isn't a work friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yar. A classic Hulk problem, too. Yes. True. Um, how... Uh, for you know, for all for all three of you, you know, how did you get to Dewey's? You know, is it was it convenience, location? You know, you knew you wanted to work in a comic shop. Like, how how did you end up working at Dewey's? Um, I mean, for me, it was pretty much just I showed up. Like, uh, I went to school uh, when I started working there. We weren't too far away from Drew University, where I went to college. <laughs> um, so I was shopping there for a few years uh, when I was at school, um, and I don't live too far away from there. I lived on campus during college, but. I only lived like half an hour away. Um, and so I was in one summer, like over the summer, and Dan, uh, the owner, basically just looked at me and said, like, you live around here? I thought you were a college kid. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I only live like that far away. And he was like, oh, you want a job? And 14 years later, here we are. <laughs> and my experience with, with John is kind of also, oh, yeah, he showed up all of a sudden. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in Madison, like, Dewey's, it had four or five different locations over the time we've all been there. Mm -hmm. um, for one of them, the, the first one I'm remembering, it was right at the bottom of a hill in Madison. I was at the top of the hill. And so when, it was right when the X-Men animated series was thriving. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden everyone's watching X-Men and playing X-Men as like the, the game at recess. <laughs> so I'm talking literally like first grade. Mm -hmm. um, and a good friend of mine, Mike Aquino, who I'm sure does not watch this because everyone other than me faded a lot faster. Um, he was giving me pointers on like, here's where a story is, here are the books you need to read so that you're not like left out at recess. So you know, like, 
like literally there was like, I think a kid on my school bus was giving me quizzes on like the secret identities of the different characters because I needed to catch up on it with everyone. <laughs> um, so then I, I, that's when I started going to Dewey's periodically. Then when we got a dog, I started walking the dog as an excuse to go down to Dewey's. And nice. Dan, our boss, really loved the dog. <laughs> so at some point, I think I asked if there was any, like one summer um, uh, and there wasn't anything then, but he remembered. So um, when, my, when the position I took on was the boy, that was the <laughs> official title. So when the previous the boy went away to college or graduated college, whichever one it was, I don't even re- I don't know who it was because I. Oh, I just, so it was a mantle passed down like uh, oh, like yeah, Green Lantern. Lantern. <laughs> yes, and to be clear, we have since had women be the boy, so it is a hereditary title, but it has expanded in scope since my problematic time there. I'm sure. Uh, we actually changed it to the kid that's after good. a while, uh, especially. When we hired someone who's great guy Ron, who's African American, and oh no, no, yeah, no, exactly, yeah, yeah, say no, say no more. He's, he's, yeah, exactly, yeah. The kid became much That's more, better. yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I he offered, he asked if I wanted to do that, so I started doing it after school, a couple days a week, sophomore year, and then mostly I got more and more pulled in as we added card game and other tournament events because that became the thing I was in charge of doing which is why I I was in charge of kids playing magic every Friday night for like two years uh-huh. <laughs> during my prime high school time when I wasn't going to parties anyway you were the game master you still had Saturdays maybe oh god Saturday morning Yu-Gi-Oh's was definitively worse <laughs> well, that's true. no I did the Saturday morning Yu-Gi-Oh it was Sunday afternoon versus was nice because it was mostly just David, me, Novak, and Justin, and like occasionally somebody else would wander in. It was mostly just employees. There was the the, um, bald guy. Yes. It's I, and if he listens to this, I'm so sorry. It's just it's been so long since I had to do the Wednesday where I looked at all of your comic boxes to know your names. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's gonna kill me. If someone sent you an angry email that I forgot their name, <laughs> uh, I will send them your way. But he he was another like strong regular. Um, it was it was a good group, and actually some of those then segued for me into working like helping write rules for Hero Clicks and then later Verses because I just had to be in charge of the rules, had to be on the forums, and then eventually realized that I was spending too much time answering questions, <laughs> and they actually brought me on to write the FAQs. <laughs> so it, it was a, I tell people like, I got into this because of the comic shop and having been in the comic shop, I'm just like, clearly I'm never giving this stuff up because it's, yes. it's too deep in my bones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my story isn't that much different. I, you know, I, when I started at Drew, I wanted a comic shop that was nearer to college. So I wasn't having to take the train to get my comics every week. Cause I needed my comics every week. That goes without saying. <laughs> and so I just, Dewey's was, was right there. And I, I shopped there for about a year and change and I'd been working at borders and I was like, okay, I, I, stopped working at Borders and said to Dan, you know, hey, I, I don't have a job, you know, if anything opens up. And a little while I said, it's like, yeah, you know, I could use somebody to help out on Wednesdays. And it, it, it all spiraled from there. <laughs> it's always how it starts. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and in, like your, your initial job was Wednesday morning unpacking boxes. My initial job was Wednesday afternoon getting rid of the two months ago issues yes. uh, and putting them <laughs> in like the massive archive in the back that became the basement that became whatever it is now. Um, That's all gone now. I, I, think, I think, Matt, that you and I first really interacted when we were moving from the alley to um, whatever the street name is that, yeah, that it was park. after several years. Um, because that's when it was all hands on deck. We couldn't have our all, all individual days. And I just remember there was a display case for like the, the high quality or rare cards and things that was right near the register. And so that it wouldn't break, I had to be in the truck holding it up against the wall of the truck yes. so it wouldn't fall as they moved it like five blocks. <laughs> right, because it wasn't uh, a long move. Like we don't, ooh, I'm, I'm not sure it's secure. Do you mind jumping in there? So literally just like, don't fall on me, don't fall on me. Yeah, it was what? It was you, me, Novak, Ian, and Mike oh, Mack. That sounds right. Yeah, I think that's, that, that was, yeah, it was five of us and Dan just moving the, moving the store. It was, it was in the, 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 the like August. Like the, and we were the, literally moving it from like the middle of an alley. So it wasn't like there was a loading top. No, it was a lot of like, okay, got like five steps up to the parking lot. Everybody be real careful because you can't see what's coming with those long boxes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, and I ended up at, well, I didn't work at Dewey's. I, you know, I, I yes. hung out there because my best friend worked there. And also, uh, you know, I went to college in South Jersey and they're really at the time, uh, there is one now, uh, but at the time there really wasn't a comic shop. There was like, there was like a store, maybe like a 20 minute drive away, but it, it really was more focused on, on gaming, you know? Uh, so it really wasn't, you know, a place where, I don't know, it wasn't a place for me. So I would come up on, on every few weekends and, and clear out my poll. Uh, and that's, that's, that's sort of how I came to shop there for uh, a bit in my uh, 20s. But, um, you know, you guys were all hired by, by uh, Dan Veltry, uh, who, owned, uh, who owned the place. And, uh, you know, Matt's told me uh, some interesting stories about uh, Dan, especially uh, apparently he was like one of the original like Legion of Superheroes fanboys and stuff. Yeah. He was big in Legion fandom back in the day. Um, he, I mean, Dan encountered a lot of the people who would eventually make appearances at the store in the early days, like pre-me. Through Legion fandom and DC fandom. I mean, he knew Mark Wade, he knew Paul Levitz. There's a, oh, I'm going to quickly do a Google. Um, a Tales of the Green Lantern Corps Annual. Number three. Uh, I think it was Tales of the Green Lantern Corps Annual 1. One or two that... Yeah, John, John's three. saying oh, three. three. Thank you, John. <laughs> He's saying three, yeah. Oh, okay, good. Kurt Busiek writes a story and there's a planet named Veltri in it. <laughs> And also a priestess named Dan, so I'm not sure what's, you know. <laughs> but it was the apostrophe A-N-N, I think. So, Dude, yeah. is a religion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the great Dewey's 
comic related appearances that and andy kubert drawing a comic shop named dewey's into flashpoint number four. Oh, nice yeah we got that one uh the current owner of the store uh anthony marquez actually mm -hmm. uh he was a uh, an art assistant for andy kubert for a while and uh when andy was and he was a uh, frequent at our free comic book day uh events and and just a, a good friend too um you know when he and when anthony or when adam was drawing that issue he was like uh what's the good name of a comic store to put in the window and anthony's <laughs> like dewey's <laughs> and then the window was smashed and the homeless man in front of it was wrongfully identified as me and then <laughs> oh good times good times that was a good one um what is what is your 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 best favorite weirdest I'll, I'll let you qualify it however you want uh a story that sticks out in your mind from from your time behind the counter hmm god one, one of them that I was just remembering recently, it came up on Twitter for some reason. Um, a lot of, like a lot of parents would come in looking for Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic or whatever cards for mm -hmm. their kids, but have no idea what they were looking for. Okay. Uh, they would just know, I know he plays Yu-Gi-Oh, give me some, like, oh, that's, that could end badly. I, you gotta <laughs> give us more. Um, but one person found what she wanted. Here's a starter pack. I'll give him the rules. He hasn't played yet. Perfect. But then when we got to the register, she asked me, oh, are there any black holes in this he really doesn't like black holes and first of all just having had to judge Yu-Gi-Oh, one of the most common cards was like dark hole or something <laughs> so um but i've met i've always wondered like, what was the story why why were black holes going to be a problem but i was i definitely was not going to ask because that could have gone just so many bad places for me there was there was a customer and he was a regular, he was a Wednesday regular. And I'm not going to say names. And this isn't a, a mean spirited story, but I still, it's, it's, be, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was usually like first thing Wednesday and a nice enough guy, but a little bit of an odd duck and chatty, just very, very chatty. In guess who I've narrowed this down. Sounds like five people it could be. <laughs> this one I think might have been after your time, David, but you still would get the, you know, the type. And there's a one particular Wednesday where he hadn't been in first thing in the morning. And he came in later in the day when I was at the counter and Dan and uh, another employee, Kevin, were in the back and nobody was coming out to rescue me because they didn't want to get... <laughs> <laughs> roped into this conversation and i can tell you exactly when this was this was april of 2006 because he it asked me about you know cart you know if i had seen the new episode of full metal alchemist mm. and i was like no i don't watch that i mean it's on right before justice league and i watched that and it was the next to the last episode of justice league and that was right around april 2006 but i, I said you know I said, but no i haven't watched the show he then goes on to tell me the entirety of the plot of the episode like acting it out like moving around. he nearly knocks stuff over and he's so excited and it's like i have no idea who any of these characters are or any of this plot but it's like okay and at the end he's kind of you know a little out of breath and he's like 
And, you know, next week's the final episode of the series. And after that, I won't have anything to do on Saturday nights anymore. And I was like, I bit back saying, dude, you're a junior in college. There are any number of things you could be doing on Saturday night. But I didn't say it as much as I kind of wanted to. I still haven't watched Full Metal Alchemist, and I still couldn't tell you anything of what he said because that story went completely over my head. <laughs> yeah, mine's not quite similar, but uh, there's a guy I feel comfortable telling this story because I know for a fact he doesn't have an uh, internet connection at his home because he doesn't trust it. Um, and I still have the government's in there. These customers, so I don't want to embarrass anybody that might hear it. I'll start to the story, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so it was the, it was the night of our 25th anniversary celebration. I remember, uh, Dan and I were there setting up, um, we had shut down for like an hour before we were going to open back up again and do some, you know, celebration stuff. And a longtime customer knocks on the door and uh, we like, whatever, let him in. And he's, you know, comes and talks to Dan. He's like, you know, during the, the festivities tonight, you know, I wrote this, uh, top 10 list like David Letterman style. Mm. Um, do you mind if I read it during the celebration? And Dan was uh, Dan and this guy, they got along, but he wasn't exactly Dan's favorite person. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, hey, can you give me, like, just read them and give me the preview uh, before I, you know, sign off on this? And he's like, oh, sure, sure, sure. And he starts reading them off, and Dan gets this look on his face, like he's hearing the stupidest things he's ever heard said. Um and I'm dying of laughter, you know, behind Dan. And this guy, he thinks he's absolutely killing with me, but I'm just laughing at Dan's face uh, that he's making. Um, and I never had the heart to tell him that it really wasn't that funny. I was just laughing at how offended Dan was by all of these top 10 lists. And so that's the story of mine. And I have another one to toss in. Feel free to cut whichever one is less fun. <laughs> Um, this one's actually about a former employee who I s- overlapped with a little, but this is a story. Some of the best stories are from after I had left Dewey's. Um, I won't even tell the one of the guy who paid me to tutor his kid in Yu-Gi-Oh! After I helped him. <laughs> um, but that's a good one. I mean, that was fun. Uh, but this is one morning I was home. I think it was in between freshman and sophomore year. I had, I was doing um, a mix of jobs, some of which were remote. So I was able to, like be at home for part of it. And I got a call one morning from either Dan or Novak saying, if you're around and free, we, could, we might need you today to do the when, to help with the Wednesday unboxing because one employee isn't here yet and we're not sure he's going to be because when we got in here, there was a note on the door to him from his girlfriend. And if I remember the story right, his girlfriend had fallen for someone on City of Heroes, the MMORPG. <laughs> and was, had provisionally left him for this City of Heroes connection. And so they were not sure he would be coming to work that day. Yeah, I think that was during that brief period right after graduation where I, I didn't have a car and couldn't get out to Dewey's to work regularly. <laughs> oh boy. So my understanding is they eventually got hunting. back together. I don't, it's possible the City of Heroes person ended up being like a 12 year old kid or something. I don't know. <laughs> I did not know him well enough to ask. They ended up not needing me, so he showed up. I'm very curious. I don't know if you were there, John, to know how that conversation went. Uh, this is news to me. Uh, I am going to be calling Dan as soon as this call's over. <laughs> I can tell you that. That was, a, that was an interesting day. 
And like, I don't think I had a car with me. So it was gonna be like, if you just show up at, the, at, at my house, like I'll jump in the car and help. But like, I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> Okay, we're going to just, you know, devolve into stories for a little bit because there's yeah, just too I many good ones. Um, I don't, nothing's going to top that, but I, I'm pretty sure you were there, Dave, because I know Novak and Justin were there on the Sunday with um, the, when the, the, the store started, it started leaking, the, the apartment above. Oh, man. Yeah. That does sound familiar. Right. You don't know. It was just we. It was it was a versus day, and we were all you know just playing versus Sunday afternoon like you normally do. And there were some you know we were playing versus. And there was kind of open gaming for other people coming in, and that we're at one set of tables and they're at the other. And then and because we put out the tables, all the racks had been moved to the sides into the back of the store. And we're playing, and then suddenly we start hearing clink, clink. And right above us, or above the other table where the kids were playing Magic or Yugo or whatever, suddenly plink, plink is more of a direct, you know, stream of water as one of the pipes in the apartment above the store just started to leak water. Mm. And it was that we were, we, we suddenly were scrambling, we're moving the tables, we're putting out trash cans. And if we hadn't been playing verses or whatever, that would have been right on top of the new comics. Ooh. Yeah. And it, potentially not found until the next day, I'm guessing. And it would, right, it would not have been found until the next day. So it, it was one of those, but there's just this moment of us, you know, um, yeah, yeah. It was like, wow, that Thank was... God it only hurt children and acquaintances. Yes, exactly! <laughs> <laughs> not the important stuff, the comics. Well, like one story that, uh, it's not about the comic shop, but it's a Dan story since we've been, we've been talking about Dan a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's 10 years ago now, because he just posted about the anniversary of it on Facebook, but uh, I, 10 or so years ago, Dan was on the list for a kidney transplant. Oh. Uh, which I was already at college, so I was cat or maybe law school by then. So I was catching up on updates from Matt and John and whoever else. Mm -hmm. um, but they ended up they there was no one who was a direct match for him. But they ended up doing if if you've heard of the paired transplants, where someone else needed a kidney, so that guy's daughter donated to Dan, and Dan's wife donated to that guy. Oh. And and he po um, she had posted a ten year anniversary remembrance of it that was actually just like it got me in the feels. It was very much like not, neither of them were sure how long they had. And then all of a sudden they like, basically they added each other to the families. Um, and so it was just, uh, that's, I've been thinking about that recently because um, like, oh, I don't know what it was like from Dan and, and his wife Mary's view, but I'm sure that was, that must've been a really insane time. Yeah, no, D Dan is, you know, he, he takes us, we're, we're all sort of a, weird extended family, all of those of us who've worked at, at Dewey's over the years. Um, you know, one of the things that's sort of uh, uh, the lifeblood of your, of your average comic shop is, is, you know, key books, wall books, uh, you know, stuff that comes in from collections. Um, what's the, what's the, the best or most obscure or most ridiculous uh, comic you've seen uh, walk in the door of uh, Dewey's? Uh, um, 
you know, we've had a bunch of everything from, you know, all kinds of Marvel number ones, which is just an honor to hold. Like, we've had a bunch of X-Men number, or a bunch, when I say a bunch, I mean two, which for Uncanny X-Men number <laughs> one, that's kind of a lot, I think. Sure. Um, including one that was supposedly signed by Stan Lee, but it was inside on the front page in pencil and didn't really look like Stan Lee, but... And it very clearly said, like, return to sender. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, that was cool. But yeah, the, the thing that always surprises me is how many people just leave their porn in their comic collections. <laughs> uh, just dozens of times I'm going through collections and then in the back of the box, I'm like, oh, there's the porn. Yeah. You don't even have to go into the woods for it. It just yeah, comes no, into the shop. It's probably not vintage, yeah. sadly. Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, um, I remember. No, go ahead, David. You, I'm, I feel like I'm talking too much. No, there, there is no such thing as talking too much on this show. We In like that it when case, the guests. That is one of the rules. Here. Yes, no such thing. <laughs> um, so this is not one that came into the store directly. It's one I brought into the store uh, because, so my dad was like ten to twenty years younger than his three siblings. So they had houses and lives when he was still in high school. Mm-hmm. So he would occasionally visit them. And clearly he went to visit his sister, my Aunt Jessie, and stopped to get some reading for, on the train for the trip to her house. And then no one thought back then about, uh, he was born in 1950, so that gives a time frame. Clearly no one back then was thinking about these things being worth anything, so he just left the stuff he'd read at his sister's house. She's clearing out the attic in like 2003 or something, comes across these notes, oh, I know David reads these now, so sends me the comics he had left there in 1963. So all of a sudden I get a box of, of whatever he thought looked good on the stand that day, which included, it's the cover's a little mangled, so it's, I'm sure it's not worth anything, but Journey into Mystery, or no, Tales of Spence introducing Iron Man. Oh, wow. Uh, there, I think it's the exact month that Spider-Man 1 came out, but he decided not to pick that one up. <laughs> he, I think it did have like Fantastic Four 12, which was the first Hulk thing fight, tied mm-hmm. with Spidey 1 for like the first Marvel crossover issues. So it was just, it was such a fascinating look into what, um, like the comics of the time, like here's a month's sliver of comics, basically. So I brought it in and it was like, so what's this worth? And also, look at this, it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so it was towards, within my last couple of years at Dewey, so 20, early 20 teens, we had somebody bring in a collection that had some no real keys, but golden age books, like a Batman number five. Mm, oh, and yeah, detective comics in the like 40s. Like, and it also had, and this was the thing that I, that I thought was absolutely fascinating, a bunch of the newspaper sections that were the original printings of the spirit like a big run of these Eisner spirits and they were really cool. Not to say that the other stuff wasn't, but it was like, mm-hmm. wow, to, to be able to, you know, see the, the original printings of the spirit was very cool. And, and the, the one thing you will see more than anything else, you will get plenty of X-Men number ones and death of Superman. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I'm guessing you guys have, 
already talked once before about just the phenomenon of people coming in with like their the vault of stuff they hoped would pay yeah. for whatever 20 years later and it's all and comics from 1991 the, to 93 that are worth nothing occasionally you get somebody coming in with their 50 copies of young blood number one like i'd like to cash these in please and send my kids to college and you're like ooh, uh yeah that's not a bond or a stock it's it's uh but then there's the weird stuff that actually had value even though we really did not see it coming. Like, do you remember the craze around Ultimate Spider-Man number one? Oh, yeah. Yep. Where like, it was just some random, this isn't the real Spider-Man story, so no one really paid it any attention at first. And then all of a sudden, it, the first issue and the, uh, like, the variants of the first issue were going for like $500 or something. We crazy. gave those away. Literally, at Bottle Hill Day. Yes! It was a weird Madison holiday. I don't know why it's called that. I guess that's the name of the hill, maybe. Uh, but we'd have a table. Madison, it was Bottle Hill. <laughs> Before the go. town officially incorporated. Ah, well, there, there was we a go. pharmacy on the hill, and it was the Bottle Hill. <laughs> okay. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're all very enthralled by that information. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I totally remember what Matt's saying, that we literally were like, oh, here's the first issue of a new series. If you like it, come back and get more. It was the, like, the giveaway to get customers. And then that's, so we were giving it to people who literally didn't want comic books. And then it turned out that they would never know. They were just given a hundred dollar issue. Oh, or we got a ton of the first Miles Morales, Ultimate Fallout number four. And it, right initially it, it was like nobody, I mean, I won't say nobody cared, but it didn't have any real heat as a back issue. Mm -hmm. We put it out, we put it in the, you know, what I called the, pitch you know the, the stuff that we would put out for you know the little vertical box of like take one with your with your purchase right that or the you know we bring them up from the basement for 50 cent you know 50 cent or dollar book days and it was like some guy came up at one point when it still wasn't worth much of anything and bought like 20 of them it's like big old stack of them it was like well that guy wound up making a killing that day because Give it, you know, welcome to Into the Spider-Verse, and now yeah. everybody wants the first appearance of Miles Morales. Here, please have your complimentary copy of Marvel's The Pulse, and also Action Comics number one. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I did just invoke the fake newspaper, The Pulse. <laughs> <sighs> Marvel, king of the fake newspapers. DC has one. Marvel has what? four three or four at least hey to be fair that's what healthy a healthy journalism industry in a town used to look like multiple papers yeah. if dc had antitrust lawyers in their universe this would not be happening um <laughs> uh, just yesterday i so back, very brief backstory i'm doing this online puzzle hunt with a group of friends right now it, it launched on saturday so we've been like over the past few days jumping in and out of it and one of the puzzles was a narrative walking tour through New York City, New York City, and it would point out various landmarks based on fictional stuff they were in, but kind of obliquely. Like one of them was an alien warned, like warned about nuclear war, and because it was going for Superman Quest for Peace. Um, so it was, it was trying to make them tricky, but if you followed the map, you could see where you were and figure it out. And one of them was where a well-respected journalist warned about his masked vigilante. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, oh, they're clearly going for Spider-Man. So I had to look up what's the address of the Daily Bugle. And I found out it's <laughs> it something crazy like 42nd in Madison or uh, somewhere that didn't make sense in my head. But I, <laughs> while looking that up, I found out that its main competitor is blah. I was like, wait, there's another newspaper? <laughs> 
They have a competitor? I mean, I should hope so. If I were living in, in 616 Marvel, New York, I, I'd like to read another newspaper other than one that prints, you know, full front page editorials that says Spider-Man met Threader Man. <laughs> it's that drip, drip, drip. The same story every day and people believe it. <laughs> it seems so unrealistic, but I get it now. I get it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, first and or favorite creator appearance at the store? Because obviously, you know, especially with, with the free comic book day connection, uh, Dewey's has had a lot of them. Oh man, we've had a ton of great, I mean, the first, and not the first, within a month of when I started, we had uh, Adam Kubert in. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the first. We eventually got the whole trifecta of Kubert's. We got Adam, Joe, and Andy. Uh, of course, Andy was on a crappy day and it was snowy and not a lot mm. of people could make it in but still we got all three uh and joe was one of my favorites yeah. he was he was the nicest guy when he was there um you know he met everybody shook everybody's hands because he could still shake hands uh, in those I days. Well. <laughs> and uh, yeah oh, that was so long ago um but you know it was i just gotta remember laughing because uh, it was scheduled to start at one and go to three and it's like 12.59 and Dan's sweating bullets because this guy hasn't shown up yet. I swear to you, the second that clock rolled over to one, Joe shoots in like a torpedo, sits down behind the desk. And he's like, hey, how are you? Doing this whole thing, being really nice, telling all these stories. 2.59, there's nobody online, checks his watch, swear to God, flips over to three. Thanks for having me. Out the door. There he goes. <laughs> Important phone call. That is a professional. That is a man who can hit a schedule. Um, I, it was always a great time back in the day when John Ostrander shopped at the store and would come in. He, he had, he would, he would talk and he would just be pretty, pretty jovial. Uh, I mean, Dan at one point for a while had these sort of, evening book clubs on like a Thursday night where there'd be a a comic or a trade that everyone would get and you'd read it and you'd discuss it. And it was really just a bunch of the same bunch of regulars who, yeah, they bought the comic and we talked about the comic for about 15 minutes. And then it was like, ideally we were supposed to talk about the comic that we all read, (laughs) but yeah, I don't recall that being the case. I showed up towards the end. I don't know how uh, prevalent that was beforehand, but that was pretty much the whole time. Uh, but one book was uh, Legend of Grimjack, number one, when John did the first, the, his first new Grimjack story in years. And he, he came for that one and he kind of just held court. And it was just, you know, he talked about Grimjack and he talked about, you know, the other stuff he did. And he was, he was, he was a really nice guy and he was, you know, chatty in a good way. Cause I mean, there are creators who, are just sort of, you know, they, they, they come, they sign their books, they do their whatever. And then they, I've, I've never encountered any creators at Dewey's who was a real jerk, but we've had ones who were more entertaining than others. But Jono was always on when he was in the store. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Jim Shooter was like that when he was in the store that you, He's a guy you just can't get him to stop talking. You know, you, you bring up one topic, you know, you ask him about Legion and within 10 minutes, he's telling you all these stories about the time he met Wally Wood 
and it's all like perfectly segued between each other, but you're like, that's not what we were even talking about. Um, and then, you know, sort of bitter about not being able to buy Marvel and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was, uh, that was a wild ride. He was a fun guy. I know a lot of creators sometimes get a little uh, bristly when you talk about him, especially the ones that worked at Marvel during his EIC time, but mm-hmm. he was great when we met him. Matt, uh, so, oh, go ahead, David, go ahead. So I think my favorite uh, appear, uh, creator appearance is one I wasn't at, but uh, when Fred Van Lente and Ryan Dunlavey did a signing, um, I couldn't make it, but they had just done the comic book comics run. And so Matt got me a signed copy of the law issue from that series, mm. which has all like the copyrights and trademarks running around on the front. Because uh, uh, for, for, for listeners, my <laughs> husband and I are both intellectual property attorneys and huge comic fans. We actually met because he overheard me mentioning X-Men at a uh, LGBT mixer during law school. Uh, so he got a, Matt was very nice and got us two copies of that. My husband's is at his office and mine is right behind me as we, as we, uh, ha- have this podcast. So that's my favorite because I love that issue and it's a nice little artifact. But the first one I went to, what, if I remember the details right, and I was young, so I probably don't, I think at one point there was a Chris Claremont signing and as like a 10 year old, I just heard, it, this is literally it would have been like 95, so before any of our times. Yeah, way before I got there, yeah. Um, and so I, I was just told that like, oh, the writer of X-Men is doing a signing. So I, I was like, oh, I got to find my best, oldest, whatever issue. So I felt like some back issue I'd gotten probably from Dewey's itself like a few months before. It was, it was some like mid-200s uncanny X-Men issue probably. I brought that in. And of course, it was not written by Chris or whoever was doing the signing because it was like, I, I did not, I, I did not have the like Are structure you? in my head for different writers and different runs of the books. So I brought it up and, and I was uh, I like, I think Dan Lee down was like- uh, I know Dave Cockrum was at the store in the early days. Maybe it was Cockrum then. Maybe thinking how, cause I, I know Dan would never let me live it down if he knew he could hold over my head that he had Chris Claremont in the in the store and I wasn't there for it. I mean, that's that's something he would have been uh, poking it, at me. Like know, I said, I, I didn't even know there were different writers, so I definitely did not commit the name to memory at the time. <laughs> that's fair it was too. Like I didn't write this. Do you still want me to sign it? I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yes, please. And so I, I, I can still kind of picture the cover. And I'm sure I still have it and signed by someone entirely unrelated to the issue. <laughs> Do you guys uh, kind of skipping ahead? We mentioned uh, Free Comic Book Day, which you know, with with Dewey's connection to the Cuber School, you know, you get a lot of creators there. Do you guys remember uh, the first Free Comic Book Day and what that was like at Dewey's? Was it was it 2002 or did you get, did did it, it wait to jump on? for a few years by the time I started working there. We were on I started in 2006 mm-hmm. working there, so it had been running for a little while. Um, but I can tell you it it exploded. Um, I remember the first few years. Yeah, we had some extra people there, but it it wasn't. We pretty much just had the uh, one. I think just one artist, uh, Fernando Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Who you know, what more do you need? Fernando's a great guy. Um, but we went from like him and, you know, just whatever the dozen or so books they were giving away. And it was a busy day. It wasn't huge. Um, but just over the years, it, it just exploded. I mean, you know, we'd have dozen, 18 artists outside and 
some of them are students, some of them are professionals, some big names. And uh, one year, I am told Dan Didio showed up. I was inside working the whole time. And then, you know, as we're closing up, Dan was like, oh, man, it was really cool when Dan Didio showed up, wasn't it? I was like, wait, Dan Didio was here? I was like, oh, you know, Chris Claremont was there, too, didn't you hear? Yeah, Claremont was there, too. Yeah. It, it's in, the first one was 2002. Ah, so you too were Googling, I see. Yes. <laughs> and it was like the week before I graduated college. So I was in the middle of all the graduation stuff. So I don't think I was even able to like, work it. I think I probably swung down, like, pop by and say hi and help out a little. But I remember it was really low key because that first year, I mean, all the books that they gave out were reprints. There wasn't any, there was very little uh, fanfare for that first year because I mean, who would have thought it would have become a thing? I mean, it sounds like, uh, hey, let's, you know, give out some comics. And it was a reprint of Ultimate Spider-Man number one and Justice League Adventures number one. I mean, they were, and a couple of other books. I think Dark Dark Horse was the only one that did an original story because Dark Horse did original stories from the beginning and those first however many years, it was always a Star Wars story until they, you know, mm-hmm. lost the license. Until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Poor Dark Horse. <laughs> I feel I want to make a Dark Horse joke. Like, I think they'll come from behind still. You know, they, hey, they still, they're still doing okay. I mean, video well, game licenses now, they'll be fine. They'll yeah, be and the, the art books are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they've still, I mean, you know, Mignola's still putting stuff out. The, uh, their avatar stuff still sells, it still moves. Mm-hmm. So, they're, they're, I mean, they lost those licenses to Marvel, but they've found ways to, you know, keep putting out books and they'll keep putting out those really nice hard covers of Neil Gaiman short story adaptations so yeah. and you know they've got a sign now outside the front door that said it has been x number of days since our last sex- sexual misconduct scandal right yeah doesn't get much use that sign yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it resets a lot yeah because they, they just don't got a good feeling in the morning. So. Yeah. It actually, it, there was a misprint. It came without a number seven, and it's never been a problem. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oof. I, I'd say that, that's, oh, but yeah, that's, that's, oh boy. Yeah, no, no, I mean, you know, did it to themselves, but. Um, how on that well. happy note. <laughs> yeah, on that happy <laughs> note. No, um. How often did a customer come into the store, you know, uh, wanting to, to, to buy a comic or to, to start reading comics and not really know how to start? You know, was that, was that a situation that happened frequently? You know, what do you do in that case? That was fairly common. Um, it's a little more common on the weekends. Uh, it's, it's mostly common, like parents will come in with their kids and so like, oh, hey, my son, either he watched the movies, he watched the show, he's really interested in this character. Um, and so uh, we would always have a, a big stock of graphic novels. And that's for new readers, that's kind of where I pointed them. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, if there'd be a number one issue or something that just came out that would have been relevant, we could point them there too. But Which if um, there was a movie, hopefully there is like 
a good thing to point them to. Yeah, for several years, that was that was the way to go. It was whatever movie was coming out. It's like, well, I guess we better have a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy stuff because, mm-hmm. well, not a lot. It didn't move a ton extra, but you had to have a good selection of at least one copy of volume one of something. Um, but yeah, I, you just, uh, you have, you know, your classic stories, um, like, you know, if somebody's coming in interested in Batman, you know, you want to always have a, you know, a year one, Dark Knight Returns, a long Halloween, you know, Hush. Um, those you don't want them jumping into like yeah. Black Mirror, because even if it's really good, it's yeah. just too much. You can jumping. do Court of Owls too, though, if you're now, if you want to do a Snyder, because um, mm-hmm. that was pretty, pretty easy to jump into. Um, but yeah, you, you always try and keep a stock of, of classic stories and new stuff and the current series. You always want to have the, anything that's got a current series, you want to keep those trades in stock so people can start from the beginning of that series and catch up, hopefully. Um, and then sometimes, uh, sometimes it wasn't that easy because they wouldn't know what they'd want to read. They'd just be like, oh, I don't know. I got a friend that reads comics. What's a good one? So you go through your whole spiel of like, you know, your top 30 series or your old standbys and you know, they go off and pick some freaking, My... I remember one guy, this is a story that always pissed me off, well, not pissed me off, yeah, it pissed me off, um, <laughs> he comes in, he's like, you know, I used to read, read a lot of Green Lantern when I was a kid, but, uh, you know, I, I don't really want to get back into that kind of stuff, uh, you know, what's something new, so I'm bringing him around to all these independent image stuff, um, mm-hmm. you know, Walking Dead, Invincible, like, East to West might have started by then, I was really into that, and uh, all the Vertigo classics, your Sandmans, your Preachers, uh, uh, just all that kind of stuff. And he was like, oh, oh, see, something like this is more what I was looking for. And this guy picks Green Lantern Corps off the shelf. And I'm like, what? It has a whole different vibe, John. <laughs> it does, I guess. Oh, yeah, no, the, the, the number of... <laughs> That, those those would happen every now and then with you know i want to read a zombie comic not walking dead but something else and they'd not invariably but nine times out of ten they'd wind up walking out with friggin' walking dead it's like but, but i i showed you i zombie and i, I showed or zombie you, with an x from that dc book yes that's a good book but yeah. but it's just oh uh, but i mean yeah i, I mean i would my shtick would usually be if somebody had no idea, it's like, well, what, you know, books do you like reading? And then there'd be, well, I don't really read a lot of books. Okay, what TV shows do you like? I, I would try to find some way yeah. to find something that they were interested in and find a comic that would appeal to the same sensibility. Yeah, I, I've, I've made a ongoing offer to any friends who want who are interested in giving comics a try especially now that we're all stuck inside for so long like give me your top five tv series movies books whatever and what you like about them and i'll try and match the vibe so like if someone's thinking like fast-paced political uh if they're if west wing's on their list like maybe try ex machina because i wouldn't think to recommend it to someone anyway but if that's what they're looking if that's what they resonate with it catches some of what they're looking for um there uh Someone was saying like books about found family. And I, was, or, uh, I have I've really been on my list recently. It's like I'm sure we can find those because yeah. I don't know what I suggested to them for that one, but like maybe maybe Secret Six or something. Um, so like 
if you if you just think of it in terms of what are the like what are the Netflix categories the like weirdly specific Netflix categories that you're given when you log in and we can find a book that fits that like we can give you a quirky crime story because superior foes of Spider-Man exists and mm -hmm. whatever it's you have to tailor it because sometimes they're coming in and they want the superhero parts of it to be like soft not the, the main focus. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like uh, one person said, I don't want, I don't like non-human characters. I find it hard to connect to them. It's like, okay, well, if, if you hadn't said that, I was going to give you Saga, but clearly not if that's um, also Saga is just a lot to start if that's your first one. But, um, but it, it's, it gets to some really interesting connections, which then are, help you the next time someone's looking. Cause like, you know, who love, like so-and-so love this and, and it, you two have the same taste. So. I mean, if someone says Game of Thrones, I think East of West is an excellent one-to-one -to, -one to Game of Thrones. Big sweeping cast, you know, giant apocalyptic wars, crazy, you know, you, you can't tell like, the characters without a scorecard kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They work. I've given that as a recommendation a couple of times. Right. And if you say like One Tree Hill or Friday Night Lights, you're getting fence. Get out. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? Sports in the comics? No. No. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh boy. I'm, I'm sitting here. It's like, what would I? Dragon Aside hoops. Fence, there weren't Dra yeah, dragon hoops. Check, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not, not our specialty even after dragon running dry <laughs> like if you want any of those chuck like, austin baseball softcore porn comics <laughs> oh, chuck austin. Um, and like if, if you're starting from like kids at a weird school whether it's harry potter or something else then guess mm -hmm. what we've got gotham academy for one type we've got morning glories after you've gotten used to comics a bit because that's that's a that's a tough one um but like there's so many of uh, in that variety that all have very different audiences so like there should be something for someone absolutely i had a third one in mind and it went out of my head immediately <laughs> oh um um the assassin academy one from oh, not from one of the big class? two uh, deadly class no oh that that's also one but that this was more like um, more manga style ish. It was uh, like five, five, five weapons. Oh, or something. yes, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Was it? I want to say, was it? I'm going to Google this. So I, I don't think it's, it was again. an image book, I believe. It was yeah. an image book. It was a shadow line. I forget the guy's name. The guy that does Bomb Queen. Yeah. Oh, Robinson. Jimmy Robinson? Jimmy yeah. Robinson. That's right. Um, so, like, that's three very different feeling, like one for very young adult twee, one for kind of willing to experiment a bit and one for like deep psych lost style. You know, it, it's, it's funny you made the, uh, the Ex Machina West Wing connection, uh, especially because Ex Machina is my favorite Brian K. Vaughan series, but I've never watched the West Wing. <laughs> yeah. But well, you need to tell me what comics you like. <laughs> the reason I, I, I bring up the, uh, the reason I bring it up is that, uh, I was going to flash back to the time that we hosted Matt's bachelor party at Dewey's, which was basically us all, uh, us and a few other people sitting around in the comic shop after hours watching, watching the West Wing. <laughs> West Wing Adventure Brothers. Because <laughs> that's my, that, that is my style. I and don't need big. Diner, right? hmm? And then we met up at a diner, I think. We met at the diner first. First, yeah. Then we went there. <laughs> Yeah, no, because that's what I want. I mean, I am, you know, there's a reason why I connect with Ben Wyatt 
you know, his <laughs> bachelor party in Parks and Rec. That's like, yes, I, I, not Catan because Catan drives me to distraction. But you know, I just I don't need the big loud whatever. I just I just want to sit around with my buds and watch. You know, watch the showdown at Cremation Creek and. <laughs> Look, the guy who the guy from Labyrinth turned into a bird and flew away. <laughs> Classic. Uh, my, one uh, of my the friends from this puzzle group, uh, I he, I think his bachelor party was the first one I ever went to. I no, it was yours then his, and it was literally a group of it was like fourteen of us. It was a mix of of um, guys and girls, and it was we played flip cup, adding a recent Survivor twist of Redemption Island. So you can okay. get back into the flip cup game. And then we all fell asleep watching Clue. Yeah. That's all Good times know. were had by all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dewey's, you know, it, it, it brings us all together. And, those, and then, you know, Dan helped you out for your wedding, David, with the uh, helping you with the comics yeah. for the centerpieces. Yes. Uh, every table at our wedding had a different pair of wedding issues from various comics as the little like centerpiece thing. And they were themed. So like the table that had Matt and Dan, Dan Valtry, not Dan podcast. Um, I think that was Superman and Lois Lane because I figured, um, I think, because I, I knew Dan would like the Superman nod. Um, at, our, at our table, like the, just the two of us table was North Star and Kyle. And then on the other side, Kevin Keller and husband who probably had a name who I'm blanking on. Um, and then at, at the... New York Comic Con right after that, I made sure that Fernando and um, and Kevin Keller's other creator is Dan, Dan, Dan Parrott. That's right, Dan Parrott signed the Kevin Keller issue and I had Marjorie Liu sign the North Star issue without even realizing that she was also an attorney. So I should have, I should have oh. ice broke with that. But so we, we have those on display in our apartment, the, little, the, the two gay wedding issues we could find signed by the creators, which was very cool. That's great. Um, so we put out a call for listeners to share some of their own comic shop stories. Uh, and I got, I got quite a few of them. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of go through them. Uh, there's, some, there's some good ones in here. So, We're going to uh, find out what one's about John or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of these are, are related to Dewey's. Uh, they're, they're kind of from all over the place. Yes, I understand. <laughs> no, uh, so uh, past guest in front of the show, Matt Haggerty, uh, whose middle grade graphic novel Martian Ghost Centaur was just announced from Simon and Su uh, Simon and Schuster, mentioned that at uh, Mission Comics and Arts in San Francisco, uh, there used to be a rooster that walked around the store freely. His name was Eddie. Um, I, I, I've met various comic shop cats. That is yeah. the first rooster. Yeah, Dan used to let dogs in, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the rooster. That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one comes from our buddy, uh, Chris Osborne at the Play Comics podcast. Uh, I've told my shop a few times that if they run across any asterisks or Tintin in either French or English, I would take it. Uh, my wife loves them. One day I come in and they have a stack of older Tintin sitting there on top of the pile of things that they needed to price uh, a definite win. Um, yeah, European comics. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, okay, this, this one's a little bit long. Uh, but it's, it, it goes places. This one is from a Patreon donor and uh, one of our Xavier Files colleagues, Robert Secundus. Uh, my LCS used to be in a metro station. The journey there and back was a dreamy, incoherent voyage through the DC red line. I can no longer recall specifics, only glimpses. Lutherans engaged in passionate debate, a mob of hill staffers in suits and ties. 
the screech of old brakes that could not last much longer, rhythmically sounding in the back of my mind as I poured over Loki number one. Dead stares from multiple other passengers as I continued. Quiet humming, noise and deafening silence. This is the red line train going toward Shady Grove. Next stop, Farragut. North doors closing. I think I just read a poem, but it continues. Uh, he goes on to say, the best thing though, with the wonderful staff at Phantom uh, taking time out of their day to chat with me and other customers about comics. I was pretty much a noob and uh, it introduced me to so many comics that widened my reading. I don't know if I'd be a, such a reader and fan today without them. So that was very nice. Um, know, I think I've, I was in that store when I was down at D, in DC for a, a conference for, you know, the, the day job. And I was looking for a, a comic shop and on my way home, I, there was one in, a, in the train station. So I have a feeling like that was probably the same shop. Oh, cool. Um, all right. And then one more uh, from past guest friend of the show, Trent Seeley. Weirdest, uh, when the person running the book club decided to ice out half the participants. Uh, best, uh, when they started preemptively ordering books and statues they figured I'd like, and I loved them. Um, Trump, Trump brings up a good point in the, in the first half. Uh, you know, comic shops uh, aren't always, uh, Dewey's obviously is an exception to this, uh, the most hospitable places. You know, the, the insularity of the hobby can sometimes, uh, not always, reflect itself in the attitudes of its, uh, let's say, garbagier evangelist, or, or maybe more stereotypical. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about, uh, you know, helping people who come into the store, you know, look for a book. But, you know, what, what are some of the other things you guys, uh, you know, have done or, or do to make people feel welcome in the shop? Uh, I, it pretty much just starts when they walk in the door. You just say, hi. You know, I mean. It's classic for a reason. I hope you're fine today. Yeah, I, you're just like, hey, how's it going? Come on in. Um, and I feel like that uh, helps you out right from the beginning because you know, people know. You just tell them, hey, let me know if you need anything. And uh, they know to let you know if you need anything. It's actually very simple. I mean, Dan made me read a whole other Dan. Sorry, Dewey's Dan. Made me read a whole article about it when I started working there. And I'm like, you could have just said, say hi to everybody. Like, this is like a two-page article in a business magazine you made me read. And I'm like, that's, that's literally what it says. I only read these books with pictures hi. over here. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, one of the things, the traps that's really easy to fall into working the store is you get regulars who will hang out for a while because, like, mm. they, like, you consider each other friends and, uh, and they might not have a lot of folks they like at their job who read comics, so they they like having a chance to talk comics with someone. But it's very easy if you're if you're talking about the latest reveal in whatever issue from that week that they're super excited to talk about to just kind of get blind to the front door, uh, which for among other, among other things is why the bell on the door is pretty critical. But when someone comes in, I think one of the key things is you don't just say hi and then keep talking about this really esoteric stuff that might sound really impenetrable. You say, oh, uh, like, let's come back to this later. Hi, miss, I'm here if you need anything. If you're looking for stuff, here's where I keep our blah, blah, blah. Um, so just letting, like making it clear to them that they're not intruding, that like you, you might be talking to someone else, but that conversation's not more important than helping them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, and the regulars, I think, sometimes they might want to strike up again, but if you tell them, oh, I really got to do like, they understand. I don't think anyone's ever held it against us when we say, ah, I kind of got like, I, I, I got to do this, man. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, like, I said, like you said, I, I don't think a lot of regulars, if you just hold up a finger and say, oh, sorry, man, one sec, I got to 
especially because it's not the first time it's happened to them, so they know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The more regular they are, the more they get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, and it's a matter of not just of not gatekeeping, but realizing that the person who's coming in for the first time could become that regular who's in every week. I, I remember there was one one guy who was coming in. He didn't have a reserve, but he was coming in pretty regularly on Wednesdays. And he had missed a part of the Black Vortex crossover, of all things. One sympathizes. Yeah, it was uh, the Captain Marvel part. So it was the book we were ordering the least of. Mm. And by the time he made it in on Wednesday, we'd sold out of it. And the following week, a couple weeks later, we were doing the purge of uh, reserves who hadn't been in in far too long. And so we would kind of go through those and be like, okay, most of this stuff is staying in here. But if there's stuff that we've sold out of, that we can't reorder because Marvel was still isn't, but at the time was really bad about letting you reorder anything. You would kind of pull them. And I remember there was one of those Captain Marvel black vortexes. And I held on because I figured this guy's going to be in. And he came in later that day and he was just beyond grateful that not only did we have the book that we rem he didn't ask to you know ask us to pull it but we remembered and we had it for him and that kind of thing earns loyalty and you're not you're doing it not you know mwahaha now we have another customer but comic shops are about community and that thing where you're not you know you can be the comic shop guy from the Simpsons, but you're not going to win any friends that way. You're not going to win any affection. Mm -hmm. One thing that I never, this is not something I think I dealt with at my time at Dewey's, but at, since you, you mentioned gatekeeping and obviously that conversation's gotten so much more legs recently. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if, if like, you don't want to, uh, you don't necessarily want to assume someone's an expert and don't need help, but you also don't want to assume that they're a novice and need to be talked down to. And so do, do you guys have any good tricks for how to like ways to, in a friendly, not condescending, but not alienating way, like calibrate someone who's come in with like, do you, do you, do you just I, ask them? Are yeah, you, I just ask like, right up front when people come in they're like, you know, what's good. I'll be like, well, I don't know. What are you reading? Or, you know, are you reading anything right now? And, you know, either they'll, tell me what they've been reading or they'll say, yeah, you know, I haven't been reading in a while. Uh, I'm just sort of looking for something or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so you can then calibrate from that and, you know, calibrate to your, you know, if they need a new, if they are new to comics, you've got your standbys. If they're returning, you got, you know, some recent hits that maybe they haven't seen yet. Um, but uh, yeah, it is really all about the, the just be upfront and ask. I mean, to, yeah, it, it's actually very simple. You know, um, you don't have to be tactful about it. You just, you know, okay, <laughs> what are you reading? Or are you reading anything? Um, but just getting back to, again, to the gatekeeping, you know, one of the first things Dan told me when I started working at the store was 
this isn't literally true, but treat it like it is. Yeah. And that's every comic is somebody's favorite. Uh, and so that was sort of the guiding philosophy for when we'd be, you know, bringing people around, you know, showing the stores if, you know, they'd ask about it or if they'd want to talk about a series. Like if they ask you about a series and you absolutely hate it, just, uh, you know, sort of deflect, be like, oh, well, you know, we sell a few copies on uh, a lot of our regular customers really like it, but I, I haven't read it myself. And then try and steer it to something you actually are enjoying, so that you know that'll come through. Um, Not my like, thing is much yeah. better than boy, that book sucks. Yeah, it's and like, dumb, and you're dumb, and yeah. go away. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't help and to say if that. If you ever meet the people who love list of books, blah blah, like I can start. I can start thinking of ones that, like ones that used to have, like the Comics Alliance Worst of the Year blog, for instance. That so, like some of someone I'm sure loved those, and there's a lot of stuff I loved when I was, especially when I was younger reader. That looking back, it's like, why was I reading this? <laughs> like it was, it was probably like we're returning to a storyline from five years before I was born. Why? I just had to read it because of the way my brain works, but not, it wasn't actually for me. Um, so, but if, if someone told me like, oh yeah, that's garbage, it probably would have put me out. Yeah, yeah the, the, the guy who bought all the Xenoscope books. I mean, I-, I All of the Xenoscope books. <laughs> the Xenoscope books. I, I would not have been able to carry on a conversation about that, but I was not gonna not, poo-poo his reading of- Not gonna yuck his yum. Exactly. He because he would probably paychecks. <laughs> yes. He would He's look a at job my... creator, really. Yeah. <laughs> He'd look at my stack of Batman and be like, but but there's no big boobs. I don't get it. Well, first of all, there probably were. Oh yeah, that's a good point. But but not quite as prominently on the cover as the Xenoscope yeah. books. Well, um, the point of the book. Yes. Just a, a, a pleasant side effect. And to be fair, Bruce Wayne is a fairly large-chested individual. I mean, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, not quite as chesty as a Liefeld Captain America, but... God. <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah, perfection is so rare in the wild, so... <sighs> oh, God. Um... John, uh, you know, besides the fact that Dewey's is now in a, a different location, it, it lives inside the, the Kubert School uh, mm -hmm. in Dover. Uh, you know, what is, what is one thing that's different about working at Dewey's now versus when you started? Um, oh, boy. It's, uh, right now, it doesn't even, I, it's just kind of hard to gauge, you know, the, the whole industry right now, um, just with all the changes, with all the, you know, you have all your regular customers that we used to have at Dewey or at the uh, Madison location that aren't, that haven't shown up or, you know, aren't showing up at the, the Dover location. You don't know. It's like, have they just stopped reading comics? Do they not feel comfortable going out? God forbid, are they sick? You know, and there's, you don't really have a good way to, to check up on that. Um, you know, and, and the best thing about working at a comic store, the best thing about working at Dewey's was just meeting all the people that were there, whether they were the coworkers, whether they were the customers. Um, you know, Dan used to tell me not to tell people that you just hang out and talk about comics all day, but screw it. I just hung out and talked about comics all day for the most part, like four or five hours a day. That's what I did. Um, and we called it, you know, selling comics, but it's not what it felt like. 
Um, but now uh, with the current climate, there, there's just a lot more, it just feels like there's a lot more pressure on it. Um, you know, we, we've just moved obviously. So, um, you know, we're, we're still getting our feet under us in terms of uh, sales and everything. We're doing all right. You know, obviously we're stable, we're hitting all of our obligations and everything. So there's no problems there. Good. Um, but uh, it, it just, it feels, there's just not as many people coming in and you don't know if that's, do we just need to rebuild the community or is that just nobody's going to come out right now, no matter what we do beyond the people that are already coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think right now, um, yeah, COVID just crushes everything else in terms of uh, what can you say is, is different um, because it, it just, it overpowers every other concern at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, how you guys mentioned when you moved from the, the alley location into uh, the other Madison location with the big gravel parking lot. How did this move go? Especially when you're moving, you know, across towns as opposed to in town. It went pretty smoothly, I'm told. Uh, I was <laughs> furloughed at the time, so I didn't really have to deal with that. Ah, okay. okay. After the moving was already done um, mm-hmm. and uh, started you know, I set up the racks and put everything on the shelves and everything. Um, and that, you know, it was a lot of work, but you know, it went smooth as long as you sat down and did it instead of, you know, like, Oh, this was a good year. The big problem with going through long boxes of comics, especially when you're, you know, pricing and trying to put them out, you're like, Oh man, this series is great. And then you sit there and you start flipping through it. And, uh, I had that problem today, actually, we were doing some silver age books and I was just looking at silver age hijinks. God, it's wonderful. I've got a question for you, John. Um, yeah. So I know the one great thing about the previous location was it had it, us and what some place next to us share that like really big basement space, which was great for the storage. Mm-hmm. And my and whoever took over the role as the kid, like the job was take two months ago issues from whatever just came out and then take them downstairs and sort them into the massive consecu- like sequential set of long boxes. Uh, so that, like, find the box that has the most recent X-Men, put the, the two months ago X-Men issue in, and just, all, so you're always just filling up more and more boxes. Um, I don't know what the space uh, is like at the Cooper School, but, like, did you have to start paring stuff down? I mean, we started paring stuff down when uh, Anthony bought the store. Mm-hmm. Um, around the time Anthony bought the store, uh, the ownership of the actual building we were in transitioned from father to son. And son decided that uh, basement, we should be paying extra rent for that, um, even though for 10 years it had just been a regular part of the rent. So uh, I won't say what my real thoughts on that are, but they involve a lot of words I assume you don't want me to say. I mean, we do allow swearing, yeah. but, you oh, know, okay. obviously. But so we hadn't had a basement in a while. Uh, we moved some of the stuff in the back and we, we pared down a lot of that um, and just cleared it out uh, to people who had the space for it. Um, and then we, when we moved, we pretty much cleared out the rest of it to cover the cost of the move. Um, and, you know, the cost of not having been able to make money for two solid months because they weren't printing any comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's pretty much no backstock, like any, pretty much all the stuff that was in the basement, it's just gone now. Um, and it's just the stuff that's on the shelves is what we've got, which, you know, on the one hand, it feels like, uh, I'm not sure what the right word is here, but it felt like we had, you know, 
accomplished something by just having that many comics in one location. Uh, it felt, you know, not that the basement was my favorite place in the world, but I'd go down there and I'd know like, all right, I remember when we bought the collection that had this stuff in it. I remember, you know, bringing this stuff in on New Comic Wednesday for the graphic novel section. And it's like, I feel like I had amassed it almost like it was my collection, even though it wasn't <laughs> in any way. Um, I can still remember that, that paper that. smell that would waft up whenever you'd open the door to the staircase. Yeah. Um, so it was a little sad to see all the bulk of it go, but on the other hand, um, we're no longer sitting there with our heads in our hands going, what are we going to do with all this crap in the basement? Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just books, it was also like uh, toys and action figures that had mm -hmm. cycled out of, of the racks. So it was, it, like, it was a crazy treasure trove of stuff down there. And like John said, it was very easy to be finding something like, oh, I, I never read this. And it was just so easy to get sidetracked and, and garden path. Um, <laughs> do you remember what, like, what the highest numbered box was by the end? Because I can't remember. Uh, we had, I mean, just for the ones you're talking about, the, the, the current back issues, or we call them current back issues, right. they went back three or four years. Um, we had, uh, let's see, we had three racks. We each had 25 boxes on them. So we had 75 long boxes worth of that stuff. Yeah, it was and a lot. We had mirror on the other side with boulder stuff, which was like 75 more. And then we had uh, maybe another rack of 25 for graphic novels. And then another one across from that. So oh, no, that one had back issues too. That wasn't great. Sorry, I'm trying to reconstruct it in my head and well, my memory's not great. I'm just picturing the scene from the end of Raiders, so. Yes. Yeah. Long boxes instead of crates and yes, you're there. Yeah. That basement is still my memory palace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it, it was this. Oh, and lower the ceiling to just above your head. <laughs> and yes, that is the warehouse. Was there uh, a pipe that you had to watch out for? Yes. Love uh, it. I just light bulb, no, you know, no shade or anything. Just uh, a couple of light bulbs hanging down on strings. It was uh, a. <laughs> It was very shady looking. And like someone would say, oh, do you have this back issue? And be like, I'll, let me just vanish into this random hole for, for a few minutes, I'll be back. Uh, sounds like a commercial basement. Um, <laughs> when we, uh, we talked to, to Anthony uh, back in July, uh, we did a little segment at the Cubert School. Uh, he was talking about making you the, uh, the official school archivist. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I was technically going to be uh, working in the library for the Kubert School, which yeah. uh, we are not currently allowed to open, so that's not happening yet. Oh, um, I oh think well, I don't know if they're allowed or not allowed, but the way they're doing the uh, social distancing and COVID, they're pretty much students stay in their classrooms all day. Mm -hmm. um, there's no, they don't go to another room for a lab or for uh, you know, for anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that door's just been locked the whole time. So I just been down at the store. I assume that will start at some point, but uh, not yet. Uh, okay. And that's fine by me. Like I said, I, I hang up and talk about comics all day and read a few. Eh. <laughs> Fair. Um, now, Matt, you, uh, you actually live in a part of the state now with a little more selection compared to, to me, at least. 
but you know, you've, you've got a, a, a few stores within, within a drive. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you end up at your current store now, uh, Stormwatch? So I started looking and there were a bunch of stores and I mean, I could have gone into Philadelphia, but I kind of wanted to stay in Jersey just cause it was like, I'm going to be spending all this money on comics and I need to spend $5 going across the bridge to, mm-hmm. to get my comics as well. Because theoretically, the closest shop to me at that point was any number of shops in Philadelphia. Uh, there are actually now a couple that have opened that are closer to me than Stormwatch. But I, I went into a couple of different stores. And when I went into Stormwatch, they had the most recent issue of Princeless, hmm. which meant they had indies. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing, because most of the other shops I'd been to, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, you know, maybe some Boom, maybe some Dynamite. But one of the things about Dewey's was that there was, I was always able to get whatever I wanted. And, and in many, some cases, it required special ordering. It still does to this day. But I was, when I went into a store and saw something as somewhat obscure as Princeless on the racks... It's like, okay, this is going to be the least amount of effort for me to get what I want. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have to do multiple shops for a while. Like still have, you know, the the really obscure stuff coming into Dewey's and have to go up there once a month to pick up, Mm -hmm. you know, the stuff I was reading out of Aftershock and Action Lab and some of those companies while getting most of my regular stuff down south. And this was like, okay, pretty much everything that I would have been getting was on Stormwatch's racks at that point. The only thing I think I needed to special order was case closed because most, a lot of comic shops don't do big manga anymore because people buy it at Barnes and Noble or steal it online. Mm. (laughs) And, Burn it from Barnes and Noble, but yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> um, and I think it, it gets into the same thing you were saying, John, that every comic is someone's favorite. And sometimes that means getting a weird selection because you never know. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't remember when Princess started coming out, but let's say I was 25. Uh, I don't know that you would have necessarily assumed that that's the demographic for Princess, 25-year-old lawyers. But <laughs> I adore Princess. I recommend it to... Anytime, like, I, I mean, that, that period now where friends are just constantly having kids, it's an epidemic. Back when that was a saying that didn't sound horrible. Um, and so I'm constantly recommending Princeless as soon as they get to the age where they need stuff to read. And, and it's such an easy pitch to make. Like, do you want your kid to, like, have stories about good people and read? And so um, you should, not only should you not knock any book, but you shouldn't assume when looking at it that, like, this is not a book that appeals to anyone. Like, I don't know that I would have expected that the kids who came in to play Magic on Fridays ended up being massive manga buyers for us. And it, to the point that we had like a buy 10, get one free manga card for them, I think. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, there was yeah. a brief period. And like, I don't know that there's this in particular connection between Magic the Gathering and, and manga. Like, I, generally the types of people who play games and read, read comics, but having the shelf of stuff that I don't think Dan read, but he knew it was popular. And all of a sudden it became this like huge thriving outlay of magic. Who knew? 
Um, David, what are your reading buying habits like these days? I'm, I've been really falling behind. Um, I think just, I, I don't know if it's, I think it, it predates the current situation a bit and more just kind of, I, I accumulate, I do a lot of digital reading, which makes mm-hmm. it very easy to accumulate books and forget you have them because you don't have like the pile. Yeah. It, the <laughs> pile TM. Um, so like I, I, I've been catching up recently on like the, the current Miss Marvel series. I caught up on the, the most recent Runaways, which was delightful. Um, it, and, and one thing that's great about some of those is like they were not the original creative teams, but very much like they, they captured exactly something from the, run, the original run that made me love the books, mm-hmm. but took it in a different direction. So it didn't feel like you were just mimicking G. Will Wilson's voice or um, Brian K. Vaughn's voice. It was like the most recent Runaways was much more like wacky humor and, and it appealed to me so much. And I, so I was glad to finally catch up on those. But, it, but it's mostly, um, mostly digital buying and actually my my husband and I will uh, like read books together. And so sometimes it's books I think he'll want or that I like, and so he should want. And sometimes it's, oh, I haven't read this yet. I kind of saved it because I knew you'd want to. So right now we're uh, through Marvel Unlimited, we are doing an, a, an alternate where every even issue, like every other issue is from Dawn of X and we are going through every Dawn of X book in chronological order and then going uh, when in between those, we are currently, we are in the just after Fear Itself in New Mutants and Journey into Mystery. So Kid mm. Loki and the post-Necrotia New Mutants. Yeah. Uh, so they're, about, they're about to rescue Blink. Um, and some of those I had read and then I was like, I'm liking this enough that I'm going to want him to read it anyway. So I should save it so that it's not, so that I'm not like ahead of him on spoilers. So it's a mix of literally exactly six months ago and like six years ago. <laughs> that's great um john if i ask you what are you reading right now is the answer everything <laughs> uh no okay i'm reading uh reading all the x-men stuff uh, that's <laughs> never not been true since like 1993 um <laughs> uh you know marvel i'm reading the x-men spider-man star wars stuff um I'm not actually reading anything out of DC right now. I was really loving the Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen mm-hmm. uh, books, so um, which uh, of course they had to finish up before we started getting new comics in. So I still don't know what happened in the last issues of either of those books. Um, but we'll be getting the trades of those soon. Um, but right now I'm, I'm not so much reading as skimming pretty much mm-hmm. everything from DC, just so I have some idea what's happening in it. So if somebody comes in and asks, you know, what's going on in Batman, I'm not like, I don't know. Probably fighting some crime or something. I don't know. <laughs> something about his parents? Is that still a thing? It sounds like it's still a thing. Punching clowns. <laughs> That's, you're, you're pretty <laughs> safe to just go with punching clowns. And then I read as much out of Image as I can, especially their new series, um, uh, Stillwater. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really good one I enjoyed recently. Uh, Firepower, I've been loving the heck out of... Uh, I like Kirkman, but you know I'm a sucker for Samney more than anything on that. Book, oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm currently reading uh, Capote in Kansas, one of Samney's earliest works. It is the the most sort of mind bending aerobaros of a thing <laughs> because it is a book 
a work of historical fiction about Truman Capote going to research in cold blood, which is in itself a fictional telling of real events. So it's a fictional telling of real events about the writing of a fictional telling of real events. And I, it's been on my shelf for ages and I was just looking for something and I was like, you know, let me grab this. And it's, it's uh, Andre Parks who wrote it, who was in, Inker for many many he always worked with phil hester back in the oh, yeah. day okay mm -hmm. and he wrote a couple of ogns for oni uh one called union station which was a true crime thing he did with eduardo barreto uh you know historical fiction true crime and then this book and i read union station way back when and this just i i think i picked it up somewhere i must have missed it at the time and this was this is a later printing of it so I'm not sure when the original printing was, but it's it's early Samney. And it's like, wow. Yeah, it's Truman Capote and Harper Lee, you know, researching the story that would become In Cold Blood. Hmm. I feel like recently, I it, like for a while, I was really doing a lot of day and date stuff. Like my, my whole thing for a while was when the new Wednesday books post on Comixology go to the recent reduced page and go uh, go to my list from the day that just got recently reduced and catch up on all the stuff I didn't get day and date because especially since I, it was like early at my job when when day and date was getting going it was like those do those dollar discounts can really add up over time when you're buying a lot of books um, so I tended to be uh, depending on uh, like one month behind on DC and two months behind on Marvel or I think based on when they discounted nowadays I'm much more wait for there to be a critical mass begging me to read something like <laughs> um uh like for instance vision i don't think i was reading d uh, day of at first but then around like when the first trade finished issue six mm -hmm. people were raving about it. so like all right i'll catch there like wait for either a sale on comicsology or just finally splurge when they're when they're at normal price and like okay well now i'm day and date because this thing blew my mind Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it, I now tend, it's almost like the equivalent of waiting for the trade, but digitally, just kind of waiting for there, waiting for there to be a critical mass and then like, and then uh, set an alarm for the wish list or something. Um, so, so I've been, re I tend to read things in like big bursts and not, I mean, frankly, us reading Dawn of X issue by issue mm -hmm. is the first time I've done that in a, a couple years at least. And, and it's definitely the kind of thing that, that sort of be begs to be, you know, issue by issue, just because, you know, right. it's out there and people are, are. And it means I can't be necessarily like following in the speculation because that's happening six months before it hits unlimited. Also true. Um, yeah. So like some of the, like some, like the, the spoiler from powers of X two, mm -hmm. I already knew, but, my, but Josh didn't. So when we're reading it, at least then like, I, I can like watch his face to see how the spoiler hits uh, <laughs> or the twist hits. Um, hopefully some spoiler ties forget by the time I'm reading it because it's long <laughs> enough later. Um, but so I tend to have like, I have the entire Mr. Miracle series on my iPad just waiting for like the day I'm digging, the day I need that particular vibe. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's kind of how I currently read stuff. I, I miss being much more plugged in, but frankly being that plugged in is exhausting. It, it is. If you're not doing it <laughs> yes. full time, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot. It is a whole thing. Um, a lot of my spare time ended up being like, oh, I have five minutes, let me do a crossword, because that's, that's the obsession that started 
kind of coming up around and getting ahead of comics for me. Well, I'll say just sort of related. I remember one of the most confusingly happy days I had at working at Dewey's was the day I ran out of old stuff to get. <laughs> like I would be picking up, you know, my new books and then like a graphic novel or two of old stuff I always wanted to read but never read. And then, you know, one day I was just looking at the shelves. I was like, I don't think there's anything else. I think I'm I'm caught up on, on Netflix. I'm also Stop. caught up on I'm not just caught up on the new stuff. I'm I'm caught up on all my old stuff too. I don't I don't quite know how to process that. Victory. Did you have expect yourself to start like fading from existence like yeah. Marty McFly? <laughs> my unfinished business is done. I can finally leave. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, as, we're, as we're coming down to the end here, uh, I'm going to, uh, on camera, for the listeners, don't worry, I'll post a photo, uh, give, show, show you guys Matt's gift. Uh, his gift originally was supposed to be taking him to Baltimore uh, Comic-Con this year. Mm. Obviously, that's mm. not happening. Or it but... got a lot cheaper because you could just do it on camera. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'll, hold, I'll hold a virtual con. No one will watch. Um, <laughs> All right, here we go. It's 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 coming down into view here. Oh, oh that's incredible! <laughs> Holy crap, that's incredible! So for the for the listeners, this is an eighteen by twenty four print of uh, Batman, Pete Wisdom, and the Wolfman uh, in the Charlie's Angels poses. Uh, <laughs> I commissioned this from a friend of the show, our good buddy, uh, Battle of the Adam co-host, Adam Reck. Uh, it's amazing. I'll, I'll post a pic on my Twitter. Uh, yes, a little bit. Yeah. Wow. I, oh, wow. I love it. This is where it should show up in Matt's frame on the Zoom, but it doesn't. Oh, that's great. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. That, we, you know, the the... Due to various COVID-related things, alas, the garage fix-up will be coming. It, it's still more on schedule than it's been, you know, yet. But will probably be spring of 2021 versus fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. But that will have a place of honor in the comics, the, the, the cave, because that is incredible. Ah. <sighs> Awesome. Um, no, tell me we're not singing though. No, no, no we're, we're, we're no, <laughs> no singing. Um, we're it's public domain now. That's true. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, we don't need. To. Well, well, I also we just want to steal like the happy birthday song from a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the Olive Garden one. No, um, <laughs> no way but, not. <laughs> No, uh, guys, uh, I'll, I'll ask you the question we usually ask our guests. Uh, how can people follow you online if you, in fact, wish to be followed? Uh, all right. Um, so I'm at hero underscore complex on Twitter. Um, and I guess the slightly more interesting presence is I've started posting my own crossword puzzles at gridproquo.blogspot.com. So these are puzzles that are too nerdy or niche or weird to send somewhere to try and get published. So like there literally was a D&D &D themed puzzle uh, a month or so ago. And uh, I decided that's, that's been my COVID creative outlet. That's awesome. 
Uh, I'm at J Bush words on Twitter and I can assure you, I don't post anything worth following, but if you're really <laughs> desperate for a follow, I guess you could give it a try. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. Thanks for coming on guys. Thanks for having me. Happy birthday, man. Happy birthday, Matt. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files media empire, meaning you can find all our great comics coverage, along with some of the best X-Men and Marvel criticism around, at XavierFiles.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at XavierFiles.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones and Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics and Xavier Files on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. And until next week, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, be excellent to each other. WMQA!